This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey y'all, it's football time here in Tennessee once again, so I had to wonder, what is Football Morning in America, NBC Sports, NFL writer, legend, Peter King? What does he think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas, you'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Hey, y'all. Thanks for checking out the Chase Thomas podcast. If you are not already a subscriber and this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Appreciate you guys checking out uh, what we've got cooking here on the program. Um, If you enjoy what you hear today, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. New episode, new content every single day. Tennessee Vols, Atlanta sports guys, sports reporters assemble, NFL, NBA, college football, all that and more right here on this feed each and every day. Your favorite writers, analysts, personalities in the space on this very feed every day. So if you like that, you like the best national sports talk with a local flavor outside of here in Knoxville, Tennessee, then this is the show for you. So make sure you're locked in on your preferred podcast player. And if you're already a subscriber, you know what I'm about to say. But if you could, please leave this show a five-star rating and write a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or however you're listening. I promise you it helps this show continue to grow, helps other people find the show, and all that good stuff. So if you could take a second today and you're already a fan, you love the show, tell a friend, family member, coworker, whoever about the Chase Homes Podcast as we get bigger and bigger each and every day here in Tennessee. I would greatly appreciate it. Five-star review or five-star rating. Write a review. I promise it helps in a major way. Takes a second. Hit that pause button. Take care of it today. And uh, yeah, we greatly appreciate it. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live 
from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, the home or future home of Five Star Edge 2024, Vestavia Hills, Jordan Ross committing to the Vols this week, launching the Vols to the top six here on On3's team recruiting rankings, passing, I think, LSU and AM here um, as the Vols continue their upward climb and stacking blue chippers on blue chippers and look uh it's a big get it's a name that you would be like oh this feels like a georgia commit this feels like a georgia kid no <laughs> not so fast my friend tennessee stacking up the edge guys uh to uh get closer and closer to closing that gap uh against the georgia bulldogs and they're not done yet we'll see what happens with chris cole danny okoye uh over the next uh month and uh some change but uh, good time, as always, here on Rocky Top, but I'm not alone. Philly University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, is here. Matt, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening, sir. It is good to be back with you talking ball, as we do every week, before we ramp things up here uh, when the season starts. Mm. But yeah, man, not much. Just watching another Braves Victory over the Mets, per usual. You know, just it's, uh, pretty standard at this point. I mean, they got blown out last night. I don't know if you want to say that after uh, ten to four last night. I think is what it ended up being. I mean, how many? Other, yeah, the Mets is baseball. Mets mm. get the Mets one here and there. You know, yeah. but man, you couldn't have no better to a better franchise. Got to feel bad for the for the New York Mets, huh? I know. I mean, we're in peak time. Like the fall. Like I'm already ready for the. The weather change and everything else, but we're going to have college football, NFL, NBA, and Brace playoffs, MLB playoffs, all within the next two months happening. All It's just it's going to be a delight. Love the fall. I am so ready for the fall. I'm so ready for so many things to watch and enjoy and react to. And uh, I mean, starting uh, this a- after this week, we'll be doing two shows to recap uh, week one and then uh, preview in week two. So uh, the two-week shows are right around the corner. Um, actual games to talk about uh, right around the corner, Matt Green. But speaking of how close we are to college football games being back on our television sets, sir, how many are we now away? How many days, that is. How many days are we away from the return of college football here in 2023? Obviously, week zero is uh, just a couple of days away, but um, we are 10 days away mm. from the official first Saturday of college football. You'll get a couple appetizers before then, but uh, that's the real first Saturday, week one of college football. And I think the best number 10 of all time, gotta be Vince Young, right? I don't think you can really get better than Vince Young. RG3, uh, Heisman winner, uh, that's probably the first two that pop out of my head. Um, obviously, uh, um, Thomas Davis, probably mm-hmm. the best number 10 for Georgia. Maybe Eric Zire going back to the 90s. Uh, obviously, he was one of the Georgia's best quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, who's uh, Jamon Dumas Johnson, current potential All-American on Georgia's defense, uh, number 10 as well. Fountain so, Bowda. Um, Fats on bouts. I, Jacob Eason was number 10 for a, for a brief mm. period. Yeah. Um, quality. Uh, he was one of those understandable transfers. You know, no mm. one really holds it against him. Kyrus Jackson. Uh, there's been a few t- number 10s. But um, yeah, I, 10 days. Well, who's the best at Tennessee number 10? Probably Eric Ainge. Eric Ainge. 
Hey, Last quarterback Eric kicked Gange. the balls to the uh, SEC championship game in what? Oh seven. That's true. Mm. I was Not uh, Tim's an interesting number. That's there's a lot of a lot of good quarterbacks. It's a very quarterback number. Like, but it, what's weird this year, and it's going to catch some folks by surprise. But um, Elijah Simmons, who was 51 for uh, the last couple of years, he's a defensive tackle for Tennessee. Very very large human being. Uh, is actually dinged up at the moment. It's going to miss the first or miss at least the next couple of weeks here. Um, but he's now switched to number 10. Defensive tackle at number 10 is it's a weird looking number. It's kind no. of weird. I'm not, not not a fan of that. Yeah, you, no. you gotta get the big number for the big boys. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Matt Green, CFB preview show. We have predictions. We have hot takes. We have Heisman picks. We have college football playoff picks. We have a national champion pick. We we have a lot on the docket here, and I think it, my picks are going to surprise a lot of folks here. Been thinking about it all week about some mm. of these that I've been stewing over. Didn't even put some of them in our trusty Google Doc because I didn't want you to see them before we started recording this very program, sir. But this is going to be very uh, all over the place with a lot of our favorite stuff because everyone's just chomping at the bit for college football to be here. And week zero is coming up. Like I'm going to be the sicko just like everybody here listening, uh, watching Vanderbilt uh, Hawaii play in front of uh, four 4,000 or so uh, <laughs> over there in Nashville with that uh, with that stadium situation. But I'll be the watching construction that. Construction site over there in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be great. Uh, someone had the tweet uh, with, I can't wait for the first touchdown at a Vandy game where, and it was a, it was a gif of uh, Leslie Nope in Parks and Rec falling over uh, in the construction site. and just, Oh, into the pit. Yeah. And that's what <laughs> might happen here uh, for the first one. But we shall see uh, if that's the case. I mean, Earl Bennett's not lining up in the slot, so I'm not sure how many touchdowns uh, the, the the doors are going to be uh, dialing up early and often uh, this college football season. But Earl Bennett. We'll see. Yeah, it's a good pull. Um, but Matt Green, this is going to be fun. I'm very excited for this episode and what we're going to touch on here. But I want to leave it to you, sir. Where, where do you want to go first? First, we... Uh... Uh, we've already been through all our conference reca- uh, predictions, but I'll just, we'll just recap the listeners on all of our conference uh, predictions. So uh, in the Big 12, I have Texas over Kansas State in the conference championship. You have mm. Texas over Texas Tech. So we both, we're both liking the Longhorns in the Big 12. In the ACC, I have Clemson over North Carolina. You have Clemson over Miami. So we're agreed on the AC, on the ACC champion. In the Pac-12, I have Oregon over USC. You have Oregon over Utah. So we're agreeing with the Pac-12, ACC, and Big 12 champs this year. Mm. Uh, in the Big 10, I, however, I have Penn State over Wisconsin. And you have Michigan over Iowa. Uh, and then in the SEC, I have Georgia beating Alabama. And you have Georgia beating Texas A&M. Mm. So that, that, that's where we sat with our, with our conference uh, predictions to start things off. Okay. I like it, Matt Green. Um, well, bold predictions time. I think this is the fun, the the most fun we okay. can do here. I got my first one. All right, hit me with it. Seeing a lot of USC's making the playoffs. Seeing a lot of Washington 
CFP Dark Horse. Seeing a lot of Oregon. CFP Dark Horse. Seeing a lot of Utah. I mean, Cam Rising needs to get healthy before we walk down that road. And Cam Rising, please get healthy because that Florida line's dropping by the day. So yeah. need uh need you to get healthy, Cam Rising, because a Florida loss in uh in Utah start the year makes the the Vols trip to Gainesville a lot more appetizing um, with that history and uh, when you look at it when Florida's unranked and Tennessee plays Florida and or just higher ranked then things have a much better chance of going well for for the Vols here but um, Macarim we're doing this all over again and I'm tired of it and I've got to put my foot down the Pac-12 is missing the CFP again they're they're going to cannibalize themselves they are going to be the most fun conference I think by and large this year the quarterback play should be elite all over the board i think that we're going to have a lot of amazing games all across the board um like we already saw oregon oregon state was awesome last year it should be just as awesome this year with a dj uangale thrown into the mix washington should be just as awesome that should be washington oregon should be awesome look i think there are going to be a lot of very good teams in this conference the last hoorah for the pac-12 before uh everything falls apart going into the next year but I don't think they're going to get that Cinderella story once again where they're just going to cannibalize themselves. They're going to their best team's going to be 10 and 2, 11 and 2 after a, a Pac-12 title win and they're not going to make the playoff. I don't know if it's going to be Oregon, I don't know if it's going to be USC, whoever, but a lot of folks are throwing out the Pac-12 once again to find their way into the college football playoff, but the last year of the 14 playoff I don't see them making it in. So my bold prediction to start things off here, the Pac-12 will once again cannibalize themselves and find their way on the outside looking in on them. The last iteration of the 14 playoff. I don't hate that. I think the Pac-12 is a really strong conference this year, but I it's hard to see someone, you know, one of these teams necessarily going through uh, with one loss. So uh, I like that. I like that bold prediction to start things off. Um my first bold prediction is that Brock Bowers is going to be a Heisman Trophy finalist. And oh, wow. Oh, I think wow. we all remember back in 1949 when Leon Hart was the last tight end to win the Heisman. Um, no, I just Googled that. I don't even know who he played for. Uh, apparently, two, Heis two tight ends have won the Heisman back in like the 30s and 40s. Mm. Um, but Brock Bowers, I think this guy is just an absurd athlete, the, the things he's able to do, uh, running the ball. Uh, and I think it's going to be like a, a running the ball and obviously receiving. I think it's going to be like a Jordan Davis kind of situation where Georgia's going to do something like Brock Bowers, have like a revert, a Philly special type pass. So he'll have one of these like Heisman moment games where he's got a, a receiving touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a passing touchdown or something like that. And like, I think he's just we saw with Stetson Bennett last year, like he was, Stetson Bennett had a great season, like don't get me wrong, but I think we all know why Stetson Bennett was a Heisman finalist. It's an, it's an overall story of like just who he is, obviously being the quarterback on the number one team in the country with the team success that goes with it and everything. And obviously he was a dynamic playmaker, double digit rushing touchdowns and all that, but it was a team achievement more than anything else. And I think with Brock Bowers, it can almost even be a career achievement that like, Georgia could be the number one team in the country. He could be on their way to winning a third straight national championship while this guy's in college. And if he's just, if he continues to do what he does, like obviously he's got to have the stats. And with Georgia's schedule, you kind of wonder if if the stats will be there because they might be blowing teams out in the third quarter. But 
if he's got like a 60 catch, if he, especially if he gets a thousand yards, like a thousand yards, double digit touchdowns or something like that, or he probably will get over a thousand yards if he's got a few, a few hundred yards rushing or something like that. So it's, he's got to be multifaceted. But um, I think Brock Bowers, first tight end since I can remember to be a Heisman finalist. But if he's a Heisman finalist, does that mean, what does that mean for the rest of the finalists? And what does that mean for Carson Beck? Does that mean Carson Beck had a mid-year? Um, I know, not at all. I think Carson Beck's got to have a pretty good season for the tight end mm. to be putting up a thousand yard. I mean, for, other than the fact Brock Bowers, you could just kind of throw screens to him. And he just makes plays, but I think obviously there's a chance that a, a Kyle Pitts, Kyle Trask situation. Like mm. I feel like Kyle Pitts was the best player on Florida, but he did miss a couple games and, and the quarterback put up the huge numbers and, and was the one that got invited. So I think that's definitely a possibility that Beck is a, is a finalist instead of Bowers, but Bowers is, He's a dude, man. And I think that that's it's a it's like a there's an asterisk in there. Like if they really if they really kind of I think they're going to have to try to to do it for him because I think there's going to be so many games where you know, you'll see Georgia up 34 to 14 in the in the third quarter and they're just kind of running the clock out like they they tend to do. But if they're actually piling it on and he, yeah like i said he's got like a, a, a passing touchdown and some rushing stats i think i think that's what it would take to get it done it's interesting who was the lot well, i guess it's never happened georgia having back-to-back quarterback heisman finalists right no definitely not i think i'm pretty sure stetson is the first quarterback heisman finalist georgia's ever had hmm. i mean frank sinkwich i mean whatever you want to call him i think he was like a halfback whatever tail i you know i'm not even really sure what his exact position was in 1942 mm. um but I, like i think garrison hurst was a heisman finalist like if you look <clears throat> like in the most recent years the only guys to even finish top 10 are defensive players like mm. champ bailey finished i think like seventh or eighth in the heisman hmm. roquan finished uh top 10 i think jarvis jones maybe even finished top 10 um and jordan davis uh finished top 10 obviously um but yeah so it's been more defensive players than anything. And obviously Garrison Hurst uh, was a finalist and, and Herschel won it, obviously. And then I think what helps Georgia, like Georgia's, when you're the best team and they've been the best team the last two years, I think it's fair to like just assume someone from Georgia is going to be a Heisman finalist because they should be in the CFP again. They should be one of the four best teams. And generally speaking, if you're the best team in college football, you're going to get a high, at least one Heisman finalist here. And Brock Bowers, you can make the case, as you just illustrated here, is going to be the best player on Georgia this year. It's unprecedented uh, waters for him to be uh, meandering through here, but it is a possibility. Like Brock Bowers, I mean, what helps, there's a lot of things too, right? Where it's new quarterback, so he doesn't have the name recognition. He doesn't have, Carson Beck could be good, but he's not like, Stetson Bennett had the electricity and just the narrative, which helps. You need a good narrative uh, to push for the Heisman. Doesn't um, hurt. And I don't think Carson will have that. I mean, it's nice that he stuck around and everything else, but Joe has the, he stuck around. That's true. Like, That's a solid story though. In the, in yeah. the era of the transfer portal, mm. this guy waited his turn. He loves UGA or whatever the case, you know, whatever you want to, whatever little storyline thing you want to say, but he, but he worked hard and paid his dues. Yeah, and if you craft, I think, the narrative for how this works for Brock Bowers to end up being a finalist is the running back rotation is legit. 
because if they all cannibalize themselves, whether it's Paul, Milton, uh, Robinson, whoever, they have Edwards. to split a lot of characters. Characters that helps. Um, if Dominic Lovick, Lad McConkey, and um, who am I forgetting? Uh, oh, uh, and probably Rosemary Rose Jack, Jack Saint. Saint. Um, they don't all. They are all solid. They don't break out. That helps his case. Darnell Washington not being on this roster anymore helps his case. Um, so I think there although are, I don't I don't know that Washington ever really hurt. Sorry to interrupt. I don't know if that really ever hurt. I think he hurt Washington's touches more than anything else. Right, but I just think that there's so much because I remember the coverage last year is like we're watching Darnell and what he meant for Georgia as a blocker and what he just his size and nature and it was like he's underutilized here because there's so much talent at tight end that like okay he could he would be going crazy and putting up bonkers numbers somewhere else but because of just how loaded this tight end room is he's just kind of the forgotten guy but he was still just as dominant just in a smaller sample size but i just don't think oscar delp or lucky lawson or whoever is gonna steal any portion of the spotlight for brock and it feels like a lot will be going through him and i think he'll be fun i think there is an appetite for one of these guys to eventually break through because when you look at the nfl now and it's trickling down guess what the tight end position is huge like george kittle is a star travis kelsey is a star um rob Gronkowski, obviously a star kyle pitts for the falcons big name like teams are prioritizing the position and tight ends are basically receivers now you can't really be a an elite tight end without having great hands and be an athletic freak so I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later just because of how football is continuing to evolve and how that position has evolved. So I like it. I like that one, Matt Green. All right. What you got next for me? Here's what I got. This is going to be spicy. Alabama's finishing eight and four and Nick Saban's retiring. Oh, wow. What? Eight and four. You just you get to drop the mic. Do you going to elaborate on that? Here's the thing. Things happen in streaks here. If you go back through the Tennessee-Bama history, Bama wins a bunch in a row. Tennessee wins a bunch in a row. Uh Bama wins a bunch in a row. Tennessee wins a bunch in a row. I think anyone who is expecting Alabama to be able to run the ball down Tennessee's throat, Tennessee top 20 rushing defense last year, and they're going to be able to play this this kind of style and win. Jalen Milrow is going to put up 50 on Tennessee's defense through the air. They're wrong. Tennessee's winning in Tuscaloosa this year. That's an easier game for the Vols. They were in that game in the beginning okay, of the fourth quarter. Okay, that's one game. What, I'm what, not, I'm what, still what are going. the four games? What are the other three? I'm still <laughs> going, Matt Green. We're giving him the benefit of the doubt, and that being the greatest college football coach of all time, Nick Saban. They were 19th in passing offense last year with Bryce Young. I think this is going to get so much worse through the year. Notre Dame, you have to keep scrolling, Matt Green, to see, see where Tommy Reese's Notre Dame fighting average were. They were 98th in passing offense a year ago. Find a Notre Dame fan that was upset about the departure of Tommy Reese. That Like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't know where Marcus Freeman's going, where this, where this program's off to. He was all over the place, Nick Saban, in the offensive coordinator search. He went from Washington's OC, Grubb, Coach Grubb, and what they were doing their high-powered, hypo-esque offense to Tommy Reese. And we're going to just say it's the Alabama offense and it doesn't matter who came in. Like, they're running what Nick... I don't buy it. 
that quarterback play is going to be an issue. No one's broken through. No one. Guess who still doesn't have playmakers out wide? If you're betting on Jermaine Burton again, Ja'Cory Brooks, Benson, the Juco kid, they don't have the guys. They don't have the guys at tight end. They don't have the guys out wide. They're going to be able to run the football okay. They're going to be able to play bully ball okay. They're sh- they should have a top 10 defense once again. This is an offensive-driven sport, and things continue to evolve. We talk about Georgia's defense all the time over the last couple of years. Their offense was elite. Their passing offense the last two years was elite. They could not win with defense alone. They could win a lot of games. They couldn't win a title. They couldn't beat TCU 65-7 to and make them look silly. You couldn't survive the onslaught of Ohio State in the CFP semifinal game without an elite offense. Bama's not going to have an elite offense this year. And the SEC is so dang tough now. And you get Texas, who I think will have an elite offense. You get Tennessee, who's going to have an elite offense. You get LSU, who's going to have an elite offense. You might have to play Georgia in the SEC title game, who's going to have an elite offense. You're going to get A&M on the road, who has Bobby Petrino, five-star quarterback Connor Wigman, and the best wide receiver trio in the conference on the road in College Station. You lost the last time you were there. That's another potential top 10 offense. Here's what I'm freeze on the road. Hugh freeze on the road. I don't think they're a top 10 offense with Peyton Thornton yet, but I do think they're getting, but he's got, he's got the Bama kryptonite though. Right. Bama, this whole Nick Saban smiling at press conference stuff. It's for the birds. The man's just having fun. Like he bought the property in Florida. Like he's just enjoying life. He has nothing to prove. Everything's nice. Maybe that's all it is. He's just got nothing to prove. He's enjoying his life more because he knows we're nearing the end. Nick Saban's not going to be roaming these sidelines much longer. And I don't think he wants to see his legacy continue to go downward after last year missing it all. And he's going to get left out of the playoff again. He might finish fourth in the SEC West behind LSU, behind Texas A&M. And who else? Who's the third? I guess he'd be third. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> sorry i forgot I, I miscounted there uh that was funny i was i was you, you had me on the edge of my seat um that's that's bold right there sir i um my bold prediction like kind of playing off yours was was that uh we'd have a two loss team in the sec from the sec west in the sec championship i wasn't mm. going nearly as bold as eight and four and savings retiring the the dynasty's dead the king is dead like it's over i don't uh are you is that the declaration right now that the Bama dynasty's over? Saban's retiring? I think Tennessee blowing out Bama and Tuscaloosa will be pretty bad. I think mm. losing to AM and losing to Jimbo again is gonna be pretty bad. And then maybe Auburn at home with the upset of the year. They get the signature win in year one for Hugh Freeze. That's the nail in the See, coffin I've, there. I forgot to mention this when we were doing our Alabama, our SEC preview last week. That's that's the saving grace because I'm 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 basically right there with you. That I I just with with everything you said with these playmakers, these just they don't have the dudes. Like obviously the some big time freshman running backs are coming in, but like it's hard to know what to expect from from some true freshmen. They just don't have the elite weapons outside. And they had Bryce Young, who was just making so many plays and making everybody look so much better. And there's not going to have that this year. The one thing is, though, of all so many of these big games are at home this year. Like to think that they're going to lose like four games, it's like 
they losing to LSU, Tennessee, Texas, and Ole Miss all at home. Like that's here's that's the four losses. Big, Can I give them to and you? And then A and M is on the road, but like that's that's a the fact that they get all of those big games at home. Like there's no way. There's no way they're going worse than like two and two. And they like when was the last time Alabama lost two home games in a season? Like this is a tougher schedule though at home. This is a tough home slate. It is. The four who, losses. Who are they losing to? Two at home, two on the road. They're losing at home to Tennessee, and they're losing at home to Texas. They're also losing on the road at AM, and they're losing on the road to close the year at Auburn. Losing to Auburn would be uh that would be brutal for sure, but um, man, that's uh that's bold, sir. That's uh that's real bold. I just see. I tend to think I'm I'm so yeah. I kind of interrupted my own thought. I'm with you basically on your critiques of Alabama, but I think with their talent level, I just I think they can bully ball most of the teams on their schedule. But the the shortcomings, like like what you said, like Georgia's had an elite defense you've always had to be great on both sides of the ball at least mm. be very good some combination of of good on both sides of the ball like there's there's very few teams that have only one with offense or only one with defense so you you've had you have to be good on both sides and you know i just i i think they can typically probably run the ball on most of the teams they play but texas like i think texas is going to be one of those losses uh i'm, I'm with you on that one because because I think Texas, this offense, I just don't think they can keep up with what Texas is able to to do offensively. Like we saw what Ewers was doing. Obviously, that was that was at home versus uh, going into Bryant Denny Stadium. But I don't know. I, I think that Texas matchup early in the season before Alabama's really figured out what the quarterback situation is. I think that's a really dangerous game. I agree. Who's your next big uh, bowl prediction? So uh, I did not see your prediction about the Iowa Hawkeyes. So uh, I'm going to have a, a mini prediction about the Iowa Hawkeyes, and I'll let you get into yours. Okay. The Iowa Hawkeyes are going to average 25 points per game this year. That is mm. my bold prediction on the Hawkeyes this year. What is your take on the Hawkeyes this year? You're a big Cade McNamara guy. You're all in on Cade I'm, McNamara. I just know they averaged 17.7 points per game last season. And the fact that they are contractually obligated to get to that 25 points per game, I, uh, I, I have a feeling they're going to be able to get some, some garbage time touchdowns in there to help that number. Here's the thing. This schedule is awesome. Iowa's a preseason top 25 team. Cade McNamara, playoff quarterback, many forget. Yet Utah State at home. At Iowa State, they're losing a roster member a day to this gambling stuff that's just destroyed this program. <laughs> they're going to be the worst team in the Big 12, probably. Lose the uh, running back who just left the program, starting leading rusher from last year. Should win the uh, the Cyhawk Trophy this year. Western Michigan at home. And then at Penn State, tough. But guess who plays Penn State tough all the time? The Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, that's a toss-up game. At night in Happy Valley, like it'll be rocking, but it will be um, quite interesting how that goes. Michigan State at home, Purdue at home. Is that the uh, is that the whiteout game? Probably, right? I'll have to look that up. Keep keep uh, going. At Wisconsin, that'll be tough. Minnesota at home, at Northwestern, Rutgers at home, Illinois at home, Nebraska on the road to close this year. This is a ten and two at worst Iowa season. This is a they are going to walk into ten and two. They are going to walk into ten and two. Matt Green, people need to prepare. For the Iowa Hawkeyes to be in the college football playoff conversation in November. That is my bold take is they're going to be right around mm. the conversation. Everyone's just going to be so focused on the Penn State Nittany Lions 
the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Ohio, uh, Michigan Wolverines, and rightfully so, three top 10 programs. Iowa's going to be right there. You mentioned the offense. I think the offense is going to be somewhere in the 30s. I think there's going to be a nice little improvement there. And then I think they're going to have a top 10 de- scoring defense again. And that's a recipe for a lot of wins on an easy schedule against some inept offenses, inept teams. And it just requires them to split Wisconsin and Penn State to get to that 11-1, and 10-2-ish range where I predicted they would win the West before this season. Matt Green, they're going out with a bang here. And I think Iowa is going to be in the college ball convert playoff conversation late into this season. And it's going to catch a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, I think um, it's hard to say what the conversation, because I think they have to be undefeated to be in the conversation. No, because, no, because there's a they one loss. One loss gets no, but if, if they, they win one the Big loss, Ten and with one loss, think about, a couple, think about them a couple years ago, or probably more than a couple years ago, or I think they went undefeated. It's like everyone was just waiting for them to lose. It's like, yeah, once you play the Big Ten East champion, like you're not going to win. So they, the Big Ten West has never beaten the Big Ten East. So it's, I think it, they have to be undefeated for it to even mm-hmm. be like, hey, you can't ignore Iowa. They're 9-0 and or whatever whatever it might be. But I don't know. I think if they have one loss, they'll be sitting there at number 8, number 9. It'll be like a afterthought. Like, oh, technically Iowa is still alive. Yeah, don't forget about them. Like Kind of like Clemson was mm-hmm. in, the, in last year. It's like, yeah, they're sitting back there with one loss, but no one really thinks they're that good. Um, I think I, I could see that like them, they're up there in the top 10 of the rankings or so in, in November. What's your next bold prediction, Matt Green? Um, I think our, we already kind of alluded to it, uh, with our predictions, but I think Penn state making the college football playoff, winning the big 10 and win, making the college football playoff. I think that's, uh, with, with this Ohio state, Michigan world that we, we live in now, uh, both these teams making the the college ball playoff a year ago, I think Penn State, I feel like this is the year for James Franklin that it kind of feels like they have everything they need. You're you, you're kind of getting a tr- Ohio State in a transition year. Obviously, Ohio State is always loaded. If, they, mm-hmm. if they're the best team in the conference and they go undefeated, that's not going to surprise anybody. But I just, I feel like if there's a year where Penn State, the stars have aligned and they can win this conference, I think this is the year. J.J. McCarthy, I... I think I just need to see improvement from JJ McCarthy because he's the only thing that's holding me back from saying Michigan is probably the second is probably the best team in this conference. Cause I think it's, I think it's personally, I think it's Penn state and Michigan ahead of Ohio state, but I think they all are like 11 and one or, or 10 and two or something like that at the worst. So they're all going to be up there, but I think Penn state is uh this is their year. They're going to make the college well playoff. Wow. Here's the issue with this, Matt Green. Ohio State and Michigan still exist. And your concerns about <laughs> Michigan, like Edwards and Corum, it, I just don't think McCarthy matters that much to them. Everyone wants to hype up McCarthy, but I'm like, I think they have the best two-headed running back monster in the sport this year. And we talk about bully ball. Like, they're going to bully. Like, they're going to actually be efficient. They're going to be good. And they're going to run through this conference, maybe a 12-0, 11-1 at the worst here for the Wolverines. I am very curious to see how it ultimately unfolds for Penn State. I think their ceiling's higher because Michigan quietly has a really just kind of... There's a lot of parallels between Michigan and and, uh, Alabama, actually, for me. 
but they don't have the dudes out wide. Like, I don't think they're going to be able to win the college ball playoff just because they still just don't have the Marvin Harrisons, the, um, the Brew McCoys, the Dante Thorntons, the, uh, just the Jalen Hyatt. They don't have those world beaters on the outside that are going to put fear in a lot of defenses, uh, mind defensive coordinators minds. Even if JJ McCarthy takes a step, I just, I don't think they have those guys. I think they do in the backfield. The offensive line should be good and JJ should be good. But I think it just, I am just not sure they will have the explosion necessary, uh, to win two playoff games. But I do like the Penn state thing. And if it's not this year, when is it? For James Franklin yeah. and the Nittany Lions. So because I, when it comes to Michigan, I think I just think they are going to be able to bully just about everybody they play, at least yeah. 10 of the teams they play. It just all comes down to the Penn State and Ohio State game. If they if if JJ McCarthy is 2021, Stetson Bennett, Michigan can win the Big Ten. Mm. If he's 2022 Stetson Bennett, Michigan can win the national championship. But I don't know. I just don't know that JJ McCarthy is that. He just he feels he feels very average to me. And I think Michigan will be able to beat everyone they play just by running all over them. But when you get to Penn State, when you get to Ohio State and those teams that actually do have your same level of talent, that's when the quarterback's kind of has to elevate the team. And and that's what remains to be seen, I think, when it comes to Michigan. Okay. But you know, we saw Ohio State them breaking those eighty yard runs in the in the fourth quarter. So maybe they're just able to bully Ohio State and Penn State and and they go undefeated again. But but uh, you know, I, I'm skeptical. Give me the Nittany Lions, James Franklin. My last bold prediction, Matt Green. I think Colorado's in for a really rough transition here. We know about all the transfers, the sixty plus kids coming into this program. We've talked about the schedule. I think the schedule is just terrible to open with TCU team. Who was just in this college ball playoff with this many new faces and whole new staff. I mean, I think there's a lot of like, Ooh, they can be spicy like Colorado who wants to play Colorado. Shador Sanders could be really good right away. And he very well could former four star had options when Jackson state put up big numbers. We'll see Travis Hunter looks like a dude like Cormani McLean. They have the last two, top overall corners in the uh in the high school classes here that's all great so you got they got good cornerback play they do have good cornerback play matt green unfortunately you look at the rest of the roster a lot of usf guys uh some kent state guys a lot of just they're not quite there and then i was peeking at the 2024 class colorado's not in the top 10 they're not in the top 15 they're not in the top 20 right now Maybe that can change at the end here. I'm not sure this is going to just be this avalanche takeover from Dion and company this year. I like this staff. I like Dion. I think this is still just a worthwhile move for the buffs, but I think this looks like a three and nine team. So I think they're actually going to be kind of bad, especially defensively right away this year. I think the offense and the tempo will help them a lot. And I think the offense will be okay, but Shador Sanders, I think, is going to go through growing pains in this conference. The Pac-12 is brutal. We've talked about how tough this conference is going to be, especially in the top half. My gut tells me this is going to be a pretty terrible record year for Colorado. Not 1-11, but I think a lot of folks think they're going bowling or going to be flirting with a bowl game, and I don't think they have the schedule. I'm nervous about the turnover. I think the defense is still going to be pretty bad. 
And I think they're a year or two away from uh, making this all work. And it's just, it takes time to build a program and to flip it like this and um, the kind of dudes that they're going to have in a really tough conference this year, I think they're going to go three and nine. I think it's going to catch a lot of people by surprise. Yeah, you probably won't find many teams that are playing 11 power five opponents on their yeah. schedule either. Like with TCU and Nebraska, obviously Nebraska is no, no juggernaut or anything, but uh, just from what teams are, it's instead of playing Northern Arizona, they're they're mm. playing Nebraska at a conference. So it's definitely a, it's definitely a bigger challenge. So yeah, I'm I'm with you there. The Pac-12 is tough. They also have a a Friday night game at, at Washington state. So probably like one of the, one of the lesser teams you're getting like those weekday road games that are, that are always tricky. So like, I don't know the, the pack 12 is going to be tough. I, uh, I, I, I can get with you on that one. All right, Matt green. Well, you have some stats for me here on top 10 ranked unranked and, uh, this, that, and the other. So explain to the good folks what you've, uh, what you found here. This, that, and the other. Yes, sir. I've been doing some math, some Googling, if you will. And um, teams that start preseason top 10 and then finish the season unranked is just a lot more common than you might think. So uh, the last few years, we had uh, three different teams. We had Texas A&M, Oklahoma, and Baylor. All three of those teams started top 10, finished unranked. Go back to 2021, Texas A&M again. Iowa State and North Carolina were all preseason top 10 finished season unranked 2020 LSU Penn State Oregon all-star hmm. preseason top 10 finished season unranked um and then you go back to 2019 uh, Texas uh was the only one that started uh top 10 but you you see multiple teams every year so if we had to pick three teams in this year's if you want to go by the AP or the or the coaches who do you think are the candidates of the these top 10 teams that could finish the season uh unranked this year Oof. Um, let me pull it back up. Um, I think Southern Cal we talked about where if the defense is really bad and they get nine and three, eight and four, potentially, I think they're a candidate. I think Alabama eight mm. and four. Could they be one of those preseason fallout teams? This would be spicy. Now, but I that think would be, that would be the hottest take. Even if Alabama's eight and four, do they keep them in the top 25? Cause they're Alabama. Mm. Like, I don't even know. Washington. If Michael Penix gets injured again, I think that's something to keep in mind is like it. What if he doesn't stay healthy this year and he gets banged up like he did the a couple years ago at Indiana, um, their preseason top 10. Does that unravel their year? Um, potentially. And then I think the other one I would throw out is probably Florida state because a lot of folks are ready for them to make that jump. It's a tough schedule. And I think there's a path, a, a very easy path to them being eight and four and maybe not being uh, a top 25 team by seasons. And especially if you close the year with a loss at Florida. I'm, I'm with you uh, completely. I think Penn state is obviously a team that did this a couple years ago, but I'm high on the Nittany lions. So I'm not picking them. LSU is one that like, I'm not as high on LSU as most people are, like especially mm. Jaden Daniels. I was looking at him the other day, and I think he's second right now in Heisman odds. And like this guy, he just feels like a like an athletic game manager to me, like which is really good. And I think like kind of what Jalen Hurts is, if you will, at, at the NFL level, like he isn't necessarily the reason the Eagles are are, are what they are, but he's athletic, and you know they just have a, a, a solid offense around him. And obviously Jalen Hurts is good and Jaden Daniels is good, but I just, 
I think there's a chance that he's just kind of average and, and LSU gets into some of these 17, 20 to 17 type of games, 17, 13 type of games, and they have to win with their defense. And I think they're a team that's capable of winning with their, with their defense. And I just, I feel like Brian Kelly is just one of the best coaches in college football. And so I think there's definitely a chance they take the, the year two jump, but they're one that like with this SEC West schedule, if Florida State is is as good as some people think, like that's obviously a tough game at a conference. Like they're one that I'm not picking, but they're a they're a candidate that that you don't you don't necessarily know what their floor is. Yeah, I think that's uh I think that's fair. I'm uh I'm with you on LSU, and you're Florida, gonna see why. Florida State is definitely my number one though. I because mm. I'm I'm not sold on Florida State with how they finished the season a year ago. And then if you're going by the coaches poll. I think Tennessee. I think Tennessee is definitely a candidate to to go eight and four, or maybe even like a seven and five if something goes wrong in in Gainesville, Florida. Like I think if they start, if they have lose to Florida in in the swamp early on, it's not that they can't bounce back from that. It's a tough road atmosphere, but I just I wonder how that could kind of set the tone for their season moving forward because obviously you still got Alabama, you still got Georgia, you still got Texas A&M on the schedule. Like Tennessee's schedule is not easy. So I think uh, that Florida game uh, in the swamp is one early that I feel like is kind of a barometer for Tennessee because I don't really know what their their floor is necessarily either. That's fair. We'll get Tennessee, Matt Green. We'll get to him. <laughs> um, coaches under the most pressure here, sir. I think this is going to be fun. Um how do you want to do this? And um, we'll end this discussion on which coach we think will be the first one fired here. But of the group, when you were looking through the coaches under the most pressure going into this year, who is who is your who's? Let's go from three to so, one. So I kind of have two tiers. Oh right? wow! So I have a first tier Matt of wants coaches. wants a lot of people fired. This under man pressure, has but they're not all. No, see, none of these. I don't think any of these are really hot seats. Maybe. I would say maybe one or two of these guys could actually be fired this year. But I think when you're talking the most pressure this year, the, the top four, I think it's Steve Sarkeesian, mm. Ryan Day, mm-hmm. Mike Norvell, and Jimbo Fisher. I think Jimbo Fisher is the only – Ryan Day could conceivably be fired like because Ohio State, maybe they'll go crazy about losing to Michigan for a third straight year or something. I don't think Ryan Day should be fired by any means, but that's like the one that's like, like Sarkeesian's not getting fired. It's what year three, mm. uh, like he's not getting fired this year, but Sarkeesian's the one that's under a lot of pressure. Cause this feels like, especially going into the sec next year, like Texas wants to get off on the right foot. Like, Maybe you also kind of view it as like, this is our last chance to win with like a, a weak schedule. Like we really need to take care of business this year, but we just want to be confident that we're going in the SEC and like, we're actually going to be able to compete. Like if we're lose, over here, losing to Kansas state and TCU and Oklahoma state, like what are we going to do when you got to play LSU and Alabama and Georgia? Like that's, it's just not a, it's not a good sign. So I feel like Sarkeesian uh, is just under a lot of pressure to actually be a playoff contender, maybe even be a playoff team this year for, for Texas fans to be like truly satisfied. Um, That's fair. Mike Norvell is actually my number one. Like Sark, I don't think is in jeopardy. And I think obviously with um being year three, like the quarterbacks in that quarterback room and just the talent uh, across the board, I'm just, 
I'm pretty bullish on the horns going into this year, so maybe that's part of it for me. And you and I both being kind of dubious and selling a little bit on the on the Seminoles, maybe being a little bit ahead of schedule here. Still, I think it's Norvell because I think unfortunately now a lot of folks like are expecting him to beat LSU in back to back years, which would be pretty pretty crazy if he's able to pull it off. Um, but it's a tough schedule. You got to go to Clemson. I just think there's. I think if you're a Florida State fan, it just depends on how you're viewing the season, and I wonder how this administration is going to view this season. But Mike Norvell has had low expectations because of where um, that program was and what kind of shape it was in uh, when he took it over. And he's a good coach, and he's got them moving in the right direction. But I think there is just such a strong possibility that they find themselves 8-4. and four. And I just think, I, I wonder what that means for the fan base if they start to get restless of if he's going to be the guy that, just kind of navigates them through the the tough waters and then they get the next guy who's the guy or if he breaks through and proves that he's the long-term answer uh, in Tallahassee. I would say there's a couple other ones that kind of I jotted down that I thought were pretty interesting going in this year. I think Dino Babers needs to have a good strong year. I think because he's been so, I mean, it just feels like he's gone three and eight, three and nine, four and eight more often than not. But, like, he has these runs, and I think Syracuse is obviously an extremely difficult job. Garrett Schrader, uh, year 19 in college for him, um, I think they need to have another bowl season. I think they need to just show that last year wasn't a fluke. So I think that's a, it's a big year for uh, Dino uh, in Syracuse. I think it's also kind of a sneaky year um, for – I just lost them. Where did where did the list go? Uh, where did he go? Okay. Why am I, I? I cannot find it for a second. Um, you need me to give my second tier? Oh, Jimbo was obviously the other one. Um, yeah. I was going to throw Jimbo was the other top two with Norvell. Um, give me your second tier while I try and find. Oh, Mel Tucker was the other one. Mm. I don't think Mel Tucker is going to get fired. But that three, what is it? Four and a half line for the Spartans coming yeah. into this year. You were already not bowling last year. The Big Ten's adding USC and UCLA next year. They're in Washington and um, Oregon. Four programs better than you right now. You're already slipping past the big three. I just wonder, because football is important in East Lansing, they've been to, they've won a Big Ten title. They've had big-time success with Nick Saban and Mark D'Antonio in the past. Like I, I wonder how hot his seat gets if they finish 3-9. and nine again this year and they're they're a really bad defense and the offense is a mess peyton thorne out the building best receiver out the building i think mel tucker is a sneaky one to watch too yeah and that i think the difference between mel tucker and jimbo fisher is i just don't think i think the money actually matters to michigan state that mm. no they're not they're not firing him for like at least three or four more years like until that buyout's a little smaller a&m might actually pull the plug just because mm. and because they got the money to to eat the buyout Okay. I like it. Who? Uh, but, but yeah, my second tier, I have uh, James Franklin, uh, Billy Napier, Mario Cristobal, and Kirk Ferentz. Hmm. I don't know if Kirk Ferentz will ever be on the hot, will be like under pressure because he just can kind of do whatever he wants up at Iowa. But it hmm. feels like things are kind of getting restless. And if they have another 17 point per game type of season, I think you could might want to see a change if you're an Iowa fan, even though you're like a Phil Fulmer situation. Mm. Love what you've done for us, but the past is in the past and we need to move on. 
Um, I could see kind of that situation in Iowa. Obviously, we've already talked about him, and, and you're pretty high on him this year. Napier is a guy I don't feel like should be under pressure, but it's University of Florida, and like if, if there's just pressure to see progress, I feel like. Mm. I think if this team wins seven or eight games, not every Florida fan will be, okay, this is the right guy. We're moving in the right direction. But it, like if this team misses a bowl game, like – I don't, I don't, we, they don't do that at Florida, right? A, a six and seven followed by a five and seven or something like that, four and eight or something. Like if they're actually really bad, I think there's a, there's a chance he's on like a serious hot seat by year three. I mean, that's fair. I, I think that's more than fair. Um, first no, coach fired. Sorry, last one was Franklin. I just feel like James Franklin's under like a Kirby Smart type of pressure yeah. from 2021. It's like no hot seat pressure, but like nationally, if he wants to prove he's like legit, it feels like this is the year to to prove the the haters wrong. That's fair. Um, Matt Green, first coach fired. I think we're going to have the same first coach fired here. You want to say it at the same time? Uh, um, Maybe. Just go for it. Neil Brown. Neil Brown, exactly. That's funny. That was the first one I had. It's going to be Neil Brown. They're going to be bad. West Virginia want, seemed like they wanted to. They didn't end up biting the bullet here and uh, firing him. Uh, they just had to replace. They're, they might have to hire football and basketball at the same time, two most important revenue sports at the university with Bob Huggins' uh, uh, resignation um, and now having to go with a interim coach this year so they're gonna have to find a new bed head basketball coach and probably a new head football coach maybe that's good for the new ad is to have that continuity and make your own uh big stamp hires here as they enter a loaded big 12 going into next year but i just i think this the the the, the mountaineers are not going to be good enough to save neil brown's job he's gone plays i think again though so maybe that helps but i i have my doubts this feels like a four and eight three and nine team yeah i think so and it's kind of just West Virginia is just not a joke of a football program. So it, this isn't the kind of team that's just going to put up with being bad year after year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Neil Brown was definitely the first one I had. Um, the next one I got Jeff Hapley. Um, hmm. Boston College is just it, – it, it's honestly – there's a lot of guys it feels like going through, the, through these conferences in like their first, second, third years. Like just a lot of, of new coaches at a lot of new places. And Jeff Halfley, we've just kind of we've kind of seen it what Boston College is. It's kind of same with West Virginia. Like this team was has made like three or four ACC championships. Like they've been a good football program, and that's just not what they've been over the last few years. So their team, I don't necessarily, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily see things getting better this year. I would say the dark horse is Dana Holgerson. Like they underachieved mightily last year. I think they could be bad again this year. I just wonder when you're jumping into the Big Twelve, like, do you want to, do you want to, right? You want to just get off to this start because I think Houston's kind of a sleeping giant. Their basketball program, obviously, one of the best in the country. A lot of talent in the state of Texas. I think they could do better than Dana Holgerson at this point. I think he's one to monitor uh, this college football season if Houston makes a big splash and it's like they move on from Holgerson and and uh, I don't know who the name would be who they might go after, but I just. I would keep that one in my back pocket of like Houston being a dark horse first coach fired. 
you know who's a dark horse to me is Eli Drinkowitz. Like, oh, wow. they're, they've gotten some five-star recruits since they're obviously recruiting well and everything. But, like, I think a lot of us kind of believe this has something to do with the Missouri State NIL law. Like, not necessarily – and uh, these players being from the state of Missouri. Mm. Um, like, it's not like you're going and get – this isn't the Robert Kimdichie Ole Miss class or anything. Mm-hmm. But, obviously, you've landed a couple good players. But you look at their schedule, like, Kansas State and Memphis at a conference, like – Memphis isn't just like a, a pushover of an out of conference team playing in uh, in St. Louis for whatever reason, um, those two teams, but they play LSU this year from the West and like Georgia, Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas, are, and then South Carolina, even before that, like this team, it's hard to find a lot of wins. And obviously the recruiting is good, but like, I don't think you can keep a guy around just because the recruiting is kind of good when they're not winning games. Like I think if if this team goes two and two at a conference, like there's a chance they only win three or four games this year. Like I think there's actual like this Missouri schedule is not very easy. Like especially with what Kentucky could potentially be. Um, I think uh, I don't know. I think uh, Missouri could be in for a bad season. I have no idea what to make of Missouri, but I just think it's so crowded in the East in the middle tier with um, South Carolina and Kentucky and maybe Florida that I just, I don't know where to place Missouri. Like, I just, I don't know what to do with them Yeah, um, in the middle. I feel like Kentucky is the best one of that group. I would agree. But I think the rest of those, yeah, you could, you could tell me any, any particular order they finished in. And I would believe you. I agree with that. Um, this is gonna be fun. Heisman finalist Matt Green slash winner. You're gonna do two. Well, we don't. We already know you spoil the Bowers thing. I want to do the Heisman winner I'll give here. You, so my finalists here. I'm just gonna give you the finalist: Caleb Williams, uh-huh. Quinn Ewers, Brock Bowers, and the winner will be of the ten and three North Carolina Tar Heels, Drake May. Oh wow. This guy is gonna put up stupid numbers, and if if North Carolina is is good, they don't have to they don't have to be number they don't have to be number one. They don't have to be like top five or anything. But if they have like a good season, and like you've seen Robert Griffin the third, we've seen these guys ten and three teams or so. Like we saw Caleb Williams a year ago do it um, on his team. It was like a, a a good team, not great. So if North Carolina is respectable, like a top fifteen team. And Drake May, he's going to be this offense. Like, uh, What's running the, the number? Ball, they're going to be 10 wins out. total. If they get to 10 wins, like, can he win the Heisman at nine and four? How many wins? Nine does and North four Carolina is tough, I don't know if they get to the comp. Yeah. I'm thinking 10 wins just because that guarantees you're getting the ACC championship. If you go yeah. 10 and two and then lose to ACC championship, 10 and three. Like, I think that's So does he need to make the ACC title like game for you? North Carolina had a really good season. So he, in, 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 under this Maybe scenario... Maybe not for he... me, but for the... <laughs> I mean, are you doing it? Are, are you putting North Carolina in the ACC title game? Sorry, say that again? Are you putting North Carolina in the ACC title game? I did. I got Clemson beating North Carolina in the ACC championship. Okay. Okay. I like it. I mean, if that's it, che- uh, my, it, uh, it checks. It checks with my. Uh, it's consistent with my other predictions. Yeah. Okay. 
I'll allow it. Uh, Matt Green. Here's my four. Carson Beck. Ooh. Connor Wigman. Ooh. Bold. Caleb Williams. Okay. <laughs> that was, he's like, okay. Who's that's, winning that? That's fine. Connor Wigman's winning the Heisman this year. Did you have one more finalist? I thought you said four finalists. That's fine. I'll just go with the three. <laughs> Connor Wigman's winning Connor the Heisman. Connor Wigman. Wow. Connor Wigman's that's, winning the Heisman. Former five star. That's bold it's, right there. He's got all the talent. Bob Petrino's had some Heismans. Shout out to Lamar Jackson. He has a history. The track record's there. If he's handed the keys, Connor Wigman has all the talent. Do you remember what he did against Louisiana State? Against those LSU Tigers? He, the last time we saw Connor Wigman with a bad offensive staff, he was efficient. He was good. He diced up a top 10 team. I think Connor Wigman is due. Because it's like, I'm not saying he's going to have like a Bryce Young type impact for the Yaggies. But I think Connor Wigman is going to be a star in college football by the end of this year. I think he is going to be one of the biggest names. He is going to be leading a top 10 offense, a gigantic fan base, and the number one conference. Everyone's got eyes on Jaden Daniels. This is where I pivot. I don't think it's Jaden Daniels who ends up getting all those votes and becoming a finalist. I think LSU is going to be really good. Probably 9-3-10-2. I think a and going to be better. And I think Connor Wigman is going to be the guy finding all these stud receivers all over the place and putting up big-time numbers on a good team with an elite defense that is going to be contending for the college football playoff. It's a recipe for Connor Wigman. We've seen AM quarterbacks win this award before Matt Green, and it's going to happen again. It's Connor Wigman is my Heisman winner. We've seen Jimbo quarterbacks win it before as well. Um it's funny. I feel like I'm like lukewarm on all the same predictions as you. Like I'm with you. Like Alabama's taking a step back, but you're going way back. I'm like, I'm not going that far back. Like I'm with you. I like a and M. They're going to be really good offensively, but I'm not like Heisman winner, like winning the West, uh, like you are, but, uh, Connor Wigman, that's bold right there, man. I thought you were going to go Bo Nix to be nah. honest. They're not going to win enough. I, I like Bonex wouldn't surprise me. I'll also say it's either Corm or Edwards. One of the Michigan running backs is the other finalist. See, but I think you just said it. It's it's Corm or Edwards. You can't split it. It's that that'll yeah. keep them out. It'll be like Corm maybe will Marvin have like twelve hundred yards, and Edwards will have like a thousand. Maybe Marvin, Marvin Harrison, Harrison Jr. is a, a good call to to throw in there. He's definitely a dark horse. Now the biggest shocker of them all, our final. Big prediction here on this very show, Matt Green. Our college football final four national champion predictions. This is this is gonna be big. I'm glad you're sitting down, Matt Green. I hope the listeners are <laughs> sitting down in their car on their morning commute here oh, on a, on a Wednesday. You gotta you go first. To go first? You gotta okay. go first here. Um, so first of all, the one seed, I don't know if they're gonna be seated this way. Uh, but I got Georgia. They're gonna okay. win the SEC, get in the playoff. Then I got the Penn State Nittany Lions winning the Big Ten. They're going to get in the playoff. So the last, uh, last, I'm going to rewind. 2021, we saw two first-time teams make the playoff. Last mm. year, we saw one first-time team make the playoff. 
This year we're getting two more. We got Penn State making mm. their first playoff, and then we got the Big 12 champions, the Texas Longhorns, are going to make the playoff. And then the ACC champion, Clemson Tigers, are going to make the playoff. And no Alabama, no Ohio State, no Michigan, no Oklahoma. We're getting some new blood in this college football playoff. Obviously, Clemson and Georgia have been there a bunch. But Georgia, Texas, Penn State, and Clemson. You want me to give you the champion? Yeah. Georgia beats Clemson in the national championship. Oh. Three oh. straight national championships for the Georgia Bulldogs. Oh. I think, uh, I guess that's the bold prediction of all bold predictions is Georgia winning three straight national championships. And then Kirby just give him the crown as the greatest coach in the history of college football. <laughs> you saved it all for the very end. You've had these, you've been very safe with all your takes and you saved it for the end. Matt Green. I, I was he's being safe picking the preseason number one team to, yeah, they to never run the win. table and go all the way. They never they win. They have won. They Twice, don't always like win. twenty years. It's pretty rare. I mean, it's pretty rare to have a a, a team built like the, the George Bulldogs are in the twenty twenties. Hey, this is the Carter. decade of the Bulldogs. Go oh. for three and twenty three. Oh God. Let's hope not. Um I like it though. So Matt Green. Not there a homer pick at all. Ignore hey, the flags in the back. There might be some homer picks here. My four, Mac Green. Number one, Clemson Tigers. I think they go mm. undefeated in the regular season again. I think they find their way to the playoff. They're one of my four. Number two. I think, uh, yeah, yeah, I think Riley just... I think Club makes a dude. A complete, Will a, dude. a complete 180 yeah. of this offense. Yeah, I think Clemson's going to be what we're what we're used to seeing them. And then Dabo can get uh, all excited about how they don't they do things the right way and don't go to the portal and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Mar, uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. and that receiving core is just too good to be kept out again. I think Ohio State doesn't matter if it's Devin Brown or Kyle McCord. I think they find their way back. And they bounce back. They don't lose to Michigan three straight years. I think they beat Michigan, beat Iowa in the Big Ten title game, and they find their way back to the big uh, to the college football playoff. Okay. Two teams make it in from the SEC once again. Matt Green. On one side, the Texas A&M Aggies win the SEC outright this year. They get one. Regular season loss on their schedule. Didn't and we it just is make too... our predictions? Did you have AM winning the conference? I changed it, Matt Green. <laughs> okay, for this okay. very thing. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I changed it for this. I can do it. It's my show. It has my name on it. <laughs> AM. Oh boy. I can see where this is going. AM one loss to the Tennessee Volunteers the week after they beat. Bama at home for the second time in three years. They get a rematch against the Tennessee Volunteers in the college football playoff because Matt Green, Tennessee beats Georgia at home and finds their way into the SEC championship game this season. So how does this even happen? Because A&M plays Tennessee this yes, year. Yes, they so do. So who wins that game? So Tennessee wins in the regular season. That's their okay. only regular season loss for the Aggies. So they go undefeated so in the West. Texas A&M only loses to Tennessee. Yes. 
beats everyone else, beats Georgia in the SEC championship. Yes. So Georgia. No, no, has... no. Hold on. In the SEC title game. No, Matt Green. Not so fast, my friend. You're saying Tennessee's in the SEC title game? Tennessee is in the SEC title game. Oh, Tennessee my goodness. makes it in to the title game and they get a rematch against the AM Aggies. So what? So AM, so Tennessee's going undefeated this year? No. Tennessee's going to get one loss. But they, that's the only way they get into the playoff. They had to go undefeated and then lose. No, they're going to get in either way. They're going to get in with You're a just loss talking crazy now. to the Texas A&M Aggies in a rematch game in Atlanta. That's going to be a tech, Tennessee. They lose to a team they've already beaten once. The committee can't keep them out because they have beaten the A&M Aggies earlier in the year. They're tied 1-1 in this matchup. They both get put in the college football oh, playoff. Oh, jeez. Where are you going with this? And then, Matt Green, you get A&M versus Clemson in round one. You don't want to do Tennessee-Clemson again. So they separate them there. And then you get Tennessee-Ohio State, the biggest ratings game of the year outside of Georgia. The two elite offenses, the two best offenses in the sport, two of the best offensive minds in the sport. We get Joe versus Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison versus Brew McCoy. Just fireworks all over the place on New Year's Eve. Unfortunately, the Ohio State Buckeyes come out on top. And the Ohio State Buckeyes beat the Tennessee oh, wow. Volunteers. So you're reining in the, the at least snapping back to reality a little bit. I see. I That's thought we were what, doing a serious podcast here, and you're uh, you're over here just talking nonsense. Just, not nonsense. Just talking crazy. It has. So for your prediction to be right, Tennessee has to go 12 and 0. Yeah. That's the only. And then they lose to A and M. And no, the they can go 11 and 1 and make it in. And then lose in the SEC title game and go 11 and 2 and make the playoffs. No, they're not getting in losing second loss in the conference title. Yes, because they beat be, AM in the regular season. They're getting but in. Gotta, but then they would have had to lose. Who's the other loss to? Might they be Alabama. To Alabama. Might be Florida. Might be an upset. Losing to Florida and getting to the college football playoff. Crazier things have happened, Mac Green. So they're getting in. I don't think they're going undefeated. I do think they're going 11 and 1 in the regular season, though. I do think the Volunteers are going 11 and 1. And then. You get Ohio State, Texas A&M in the college football playoff final. And the A&M Aggies beat the Buckeyes in a thriller. And the Aggies and Jimbo gets ring number two. And the Texas A&M Aggies with their Heisman winning quarterback, top 10 defense, top 10 offense, wins the college football national championship this season. Oh my goodness. I don't even know what to do with that. Uh Texas, this is just the year of the Aggies. They're getting the the national championship and the Heisman like Okay, man. I uh that's bold. That's that's the boldest prediction of the night right there. I uh I don't know about that. I would uh I would bet a lot of money against against A&M winning the national championship this year. I think they're going to be good, but with the schedule they have, like that's uh I don't know. That's a lot of assumptions to think that they could. A lot of things aligning, too. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't see it. They're one of the 12 teams in the blue chip ratio. Top five team, talent-wise. Best receiver room in the conference. One of the best offensive minds. The, it's all right there. It's all sitting right there for the Aggies. They just have to, they have to take it.
and I'm betting on the Aggies. I'm going bold here. Everyone wants to throw LSU. That's not that bold. See, my thing is like everyone's throwing LSU as their sleepy title team pick. Uh, some big college football analysts have picked LSU to win the national title this year. It's wise to stay within the conference. Most of the national championships outside of Ohio State for a little blip have come from the state of Louisiana, Georgia, Alabama, and Florida, and South Carolina. It seems like a certain region wins the national title more than anybody else. And if I'm going against Georgia in a three-peat in the history there, going against any of the Florida teams being close, going against Clemson being able to have the guys to run the gauntlet, going against LSU having the dudes in year two for Brian Kelly to make that kind of jump, the next talent pool that has the has the horses to make that kind of push. A lot of people want to throw the Longhorns in there. I'm going the Aggies. I don't think it's that bold when you really break it down that way and where the talent pool is, where things can align. I'm going Texas A&M to win it all. Matt Green. And apologies to your brother who drove off the road five minutes ago and <laughs> just had to go take take a take and, a second to himself to recalibrate what just happened on this podcast. In your scenario, I don't see a way that Georgia loses one game and is left out of the college football playoff for a two-loss Tennessee team. I Tennessee just, I beats Georgia in this scenario. But I think that second loss, I think the committee no. takes that into account. The the back-to-back -back national champions just lose one game. The pre and as you especially think about it, the preseason number one team. All right, losing how about this? One we lose to Georgia at home. You go to the SEC title game, and then you lose to A&M. See, Tennessee's I think only that's the it. scenario where Tennessee can get in. Is where they okay, have we'll do loss. that then for this. We'll <laughs> Fine. Fine. You don't we'll do that. Know. Uh, yeah, that... 11 and one on the record for Tennessee and they do make the playoff. Yeah. And then maybe Georgia has one loss and then the, the SEC championship is their second loss in that yeah. scenario. That's where Tennessee could get in there. Um, yeah. I mean, it's bold. We'll, uh, we'll see. That's uh that's a way to end the, uh, the, uh, the prediction show. That's for sure. We have actual games to talk about next week, Matt Green. We will be previewing week one on this very show uh, next Wednesday. So look out for that on this very feed. Um, I'm so excited. Pick The Pick'em is back, Matt Green. Betting odds, Pick'em, um, straight up, all that. Um, as I look to go back-to-back -back in the uh, Pick'em Pool championships here as I, I built a pretty sizable lead uh, last year. Never look back. I don't have the data in front of me, but I don't think that's true. I think uh, I think you may have won overall. I'm pretty sure against the spread, I was uh, I was the winner there. Yeah, have to, but, well, let's mm. well, let's look at the data. I'm winning the people money, so I think that's yeah, what that's people what the money. People I'm really just gonna win the, the things that matter, the the games that were decided on the field. I'm looking at the final score, Matt Green, and that's what the people want. For that guy down there in Tequila, Georgia, Matt Green, my name is Chase Thomas, and that is it for this very show. Come back uh, tomorrow. New episodes on this very feed each and every day, so look out for that. Matt Green, always a pleasure, and I will talk to you next week. Yes, sir. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. 
But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you that you're interviewing, mm-hmm. your um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.